This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Sports Bar Radio, the final day of August. Summer's gone. <laughs> like, dude, I looked out. It's 13 degrees. It's gray sky here in Vancouver. It's like somebody pulled the rug from under us. I didn't even realize. One day it's 43 degrees, and now all of a sudden you blink and it's 13 degrees, and kids going back to school and life just is ready to quote unquote get normal, even though we know that we're not quite in the world of normal just yet. Hey, uh, the beauty of doing this show is every once in a while I do it my way. And you know what? We have a template for the most part. You know, we give you the lead. We give you the VIP room. Every once in a while we'll sprinkle in a guest. But today, um, I'm going to do this whole show based on a really quick conversation that I had at Coquitlam Center just a day ago. Yesterday I was over there looking for a pair of shoes. They had just dropped some new yellow Jordans. These uh, They're gross shoes, but they're red hot right now on the secondary market. So bought them, already flipped them in a matter of like 15, 20 minutes. But uh, anyway, so I'm over there and I'm just doing some quick shopping and the guy comes up to me while I'm in line and doesn't really say anything until I've just finished paying. And he says, you're Rob Fay." And I said, yeah, I sure am. And I was hoping it wasn't a guy that I owed money to. But he goes, I just wanted to tell you that I listened to you do baseball. And I just loved listening to you. I used to drive around, listen to Canadians baseball all the time. And I just wanted to say how much you meant to me. I was blown away. Like the one cool thing about this industry is every once in a while, I don't think this is why people get into this industry, but at the same time, when it happens, it makes you appreciate the fact that you do connect with other people. You may not see them because you're sitting in this little booth broadcasting baseball or doing the news or the weather or whatever ends up being, but I think every once in a while you're reminded that there is somebody on the other end of the microphone. And uh, again, I haven't even done baseball for what, year and a half, two years now? And to have somebody come up to me, totally cool with that. So for somebody to come up to you and tell you that you meant something to them is kind of a big deal. But I'll never forget this true story. So I had just moved to Vancouver. I want to say it was what, 1994. And I had just gotten here. It couldn't have been here more than a week or two. And sure enough, I'm walking through Pacific Center. And who's walking the opposite way but Pavel Bure, all by himself. And so me, be naive, I think I was 20 at the time, walked right over to him and just basically said, hey, Pavel, I'm a huge fan. Uh, didn't give me a lot of time, but at least I went up to him and, and told him, like I built up the courage to go over to him and basically say, hey man, you know, I'm a fan of your work. Now you fast forward to the fact that I'm 47, no longer doing baseball, doing a couple of other things that I know you're well aware of. And um, I thought today would be a cool show to go back and talk about 10 voices that influenced me over my career. A lot of these voices that I'm going to play for you, I'm going to credit to the appropriate companies, of course, but I want you to see how many of them you know. And I think you'll probably get seven or eight. There might be one or two that are a little before your time or maybe at a sport that you don't really follow. It's amazing to me that even in this day and age, I can look back, close my eyes, hear that voice, and immediately get taken to a place that reminds me of my childhood, reminds me of a good time, reminds me of a team that I followed and just revered. Very, very cool. So let's get to it. Uh, Jay, I know we don't necessarily have a sounder per se for this, but let me get you into the extended VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? 
Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Okay, so I was trying to figure out a way that I could do this because I'm going to take you into a couple of different environments. Some of them are play-by-play guys, some of them are television hosts or sports hosts, and some of them are public address announcers. So I think I'm going to start with the PA guys because A, they are the voice of an entire arena. And really, when you walk up the stairs and you finally get to see the grandeur of a stadium where there's 18,000 or 15,000 or 40,000, whatever it ends up being, that voice becomes as big a part of the experience as anything that you're watching on the field, the ice, whatever. I have always had such a huge respect for public address announcers. For example, uh, and we'll get to a couple of these voices here in a second, but when you go to the Canucks game, now, of course, we hear Al Murdoch. But before Al, perhaps the only more legendary voice than him in Vancouver when it comes to PA was uh, John Ashbridge. I mean, who can forget with the U2 plane? Ladies and gentlemen, your Vancouver Canucks! The late John Ashbridge had, as Trevor Linden best described it, the voice of God. You know, really quick story about Ash was the fact that it was late in my Vancouver Canadiens career. I want to say it was like 2017, 2018. And all of a sudden, Don Andrews, who was our longtime public address announcer, the most synonymous voice when it comes to PA announcing, I think, in Vancouver Canadiens history, came up to me because his schedule was bouncing around. He was doing stuff with the Lions, with the Whitecaps. And he said, Rob, or actually he said, Rob. He had that big voice. He said, uh, I've got a guy that I think you would uh, be okay if he filled in for me in a couple of games where I'm double booked, John Ashbridge. And I was like, John Ashbridge is your backup? I said, absolutely. With all due respect, John Ashbridge would be fantastic. So sure enough, up the stairs at Nat Bailey Stadium, no elevator. You got to walk all the way to the roof. There's Ash. Silver hair, silver beard. And the second he talks to you as he extends his hand, you hear the voice and you are drawn into a hundred memories. And what was really cool about Ash is he never made you feel like he was anybody different. He was just the dude from down the street that cut his grass at three in the afternoon. Really nice guy, super sharp humor, like very witty. He wouldn't even let you finish your sentence sometimes and he already had three comebacks. And I'm so glad that I got to even cross paths with him. We only got to do probably, I don't know, what, 15, 20, 25 games together where I was in one booth, he was in the other. But just hearing his voice as I was doing the broadcast was surreal. And I can only imagine what it must have been like for the broadcasters of the Vancouver Canucks to know that in the background, as they were trying to hype up the moment and excite it, that they had somebody like John Ashbridge, just surreal. And Al is a legendary guy with the Vancouver Grizzlies. He did every single game for the Grizz and now is picking up the torch of John Ashbridge with the Canucks. But Ash is my guy when it comes to Vancouver. When I first walked into the building, not Pacific Coliseum, unfortunately, when I first walked into the building known as General Motors Place, it was his voice and his voice that just absolutely made me fall in love with hockey on the West Coast. Now, before I came to the West Coast, I grew up in Toronto. Boo hiss, I know. No doubt about it. One of the most recognizable public address announcer voices in NHL hockey history is a guy by the name of Paul Morris. Don Taylor does a great impersonation of him, but he was this monotone PA guy that just became one of the most recognizable voices in Toronto sports history. Ron Ellis from Borea Salmi and Dave Williams. Time 11.17. 
100% voice of Maple Leaf Gardens. I remember my very first Toronto Maple Leafs game. You always remember your first game, right? I had to do a little bit of research on this. I was nine years old. Actually, I was eight years old, almost getting ready for my ninth birthday. And uh, I was taken to a Toronto Maple Leafs Detroit Red Wings game at Maple Leaf Gardens. And it was two abysmal teams, Detroit and Toronto, well below 500. Neither of these teams going to the postseason. But it was a game that I'll never forget because Rick Vive, former Vancouver Canuck Rick Vive, by the way, scored a hat trick in that game. And it was funny because Vive opened up the scoring. It was 1-0 Leafs. Detroit came back with three straight goals. Danny Gare, Walt McKechnie, and Danny Gare again. And everybody was calling in the crowd for Bunny LaRock because Mike Palmatier was just not getting it done. But then on the power play, Rick Vive... Yes, I did my homework on this. But then on the power play, Rick Vive tied it at two. Billy Harris gave the Leafs a 3-2 lead. John Anderson in the third with his 10th. And then Rick Vive with his 20th and his 21st. Vive's hat-trick goal coming with about a minute and a half to go in the game. Dan Daou and Gaston Gingras with the assists. And imagine this, an eight-year-old kid watching hats fly from the rafters onto the ice. It was a spectacle. And even though the Maple Leafs with that victory improved to 8-21-7, the little kid fell in love with hockey in that immediate moment. I will never forget the game where Rick Vive scored a hat trick, my first ever game at Maple Leaf Gardens. You know, one of the perks of being a Canadian is that hockey is religion, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. And we're going to get to a couple of guys that did highlights better than anybody. I think you know where I'm going to go with that. Play by play guys are a big deal. And I'm going to do a little baseball after this, but let me circle back on the hockey very quickly because a lot of people will say, well, this is my favorite guy, or I really like the way that he calls a game. You know, Rick Generate, you talk about all those guys south of the border that are so very good and underappreciated, but up here you think of all of the legends that have called games, and it is nothing short of religion when you hear a voice that just defines a generation of the sport that we all love. That voice for me was Bob Cole. Gretzky pick it up, couldn't find it. Eiserman is turning and coming in. Another shot, score! Eiserman scores! Detroit wins the game! Detroit wins the series! And they go on! This is over! You know, a lot of people will knock Bob Cole for the last couple of years saying that he couldn't keep up with the game and he'd screw up names, but... I wasn't really paying attention to any of that because if you look at that body of work, what was it, like 50-some-odd years? He is a part of so many big moments in hockey. And when you turned on Hockey Night in Canada and you knew that you had Bob Cole broadcasting your game, I don't care where you were geographically, you knew that was the A crew. And Bob Cole, for me, in Canada, probably the most recognizable name in hockey history. With all due respects to those who came before him and the many that have come after him, Bob Cole, for me, is that voice in Canadian hockey history, and I don't think there's many that would even argue with me on that front. Bob Cole in his prime, second to none. There's nobody that's done it better. Now, you talk about longevity and finishing strong. I know that hockey and baseball are two completely different things. When people have asked me the difference between hockey and baseball and which one I would like to broadcast, I've always said that baseball is like a slow kiss. Whereas hockey is like the drunk guy at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to jam his tongue down your throat. Maybe not the best analogy, but they are two completely different beasts. Trust me on this. There are certain things that are the same, but there are many things that are not. The guy that I think has done play-by-play 
better than anybody across any generation of baseball. He's a guy that just recently retired after doing more than 60 years of Major League Baseball, whether it was in Brooklyn or in Los Angeles, nobody, and I mean nobody, did it better than Vin. Listen to him tell a story in between pitches. The batter is Adrian Gonzalez of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Vin is telling a story of the legendary Satchel Paige. There is an at-bat going on here, and yet you would never know it. It is such a beautiful blend of keeping the listener understanding of what's going on, but at the same time telling an unbelievable story. This is a few minutes. I promise you it's worth the listen. The Miami Marlins were a triple-A minor league ball club owned by Bill Veck. Yeah, the same Bill Veck. Strike one pitch on the way is off the plate. One of the things that uh, Bill Veck did as a promotion he signed Satchel Paige, who was very close to being 50 years old and still pitched very well in AAA. The 1-1 pitch, Gonzalez doesn't get it on a big swing, 1-2. and two. On that ball club back in 1956 was Whitey Herzog, now a Hall of Fame manager, but Whitey was an outfielder. And they were playing in Rochester, New York, and Herzog was out in the outfield and he noticed a promotional thing in the Rochester ballpark. The one two pitch fouled away. There was a hole in the fence in center field. And above it was a sign. If you hit the ball in the air through the hole you get ten thousand dollars. So Herzog went back into the clubhouse got a bunch of balls went out to center field and tried to throw a ball through the hole and he couldn't do it. The one two pitch on the way is a ground foul. So then when he went back in before the game started Whitey was talking to Satchel Page. He said Satch you see that hole out there in center field and Page said yes wild child. He said I'll bet you a, a bottle of bourbon that you can't throw the ball through that hole. The one two pitch inside ball two. So the next day. Before batting practice, Herzog had a bunch of balls and he took Satchel Page out. Herzog marched off 60 feet, inches from the hole. The next pitch foul back. He gave Satchel Page the ball and Satchel said, Wild child, does the ball fit through the hole? And Whitey Herzog said, Satch, it sure does. He said, Then you have a bet. So he held the ball up and looked over the ball like he was aiming a rifle. 2-2 pitch and Adrian pulls it foul. Now Page winds up and throws. The ball goes into the hole, spins around and pops out again. And Herzog thinks, holy mackerel, he'll never come any closer to that. Page picks up the next ball, aims right through the hole, clean as a whistle. He said, wild child, I will take that and walked off the field. So the Miami Marlins and Bill Veck and Satchel Page, my thanks to Adrian Gonzalez for fouling off Number all seven. those pitches Alex as he strikes out. And we have one down here in the bottom of the third inning. I mean, come on. Isn't that amazing? That was at what, four and a half, five minutes? And you felt like it was just the blink of an eye. 
He is so wonderful at transporting you through these different pockets of time over baseball's history and making you feel like you're physically there. I mean, you can picture the hole in the wall. You can picture this conversation between a manager and a player. Perfect. There's nothing about Vince Scully that isn't just the best. I have been such a fan for so many years. You know, I will get to my favorite guy when it comes to my team. We'll talk about Jerry Howarth in a second. But I do want to talk about one baseball broadcaster that I think gets really swept under the rug. Used to do Sunday Night Baseball. One of my favorite voices overall, John Miller. Here it comes. Swing and there's a drive. Deep into right field. Way back there. Goodbye. A home run for the game. And for the pennant. The Giants have won the pennant. He's another guy a little bit different than Vin. Vin would tell a story with such eloquence. John Miller was kind of like the dude you were sitting at the bar with that just happened to know everything about the game of baseball. So enjoyable. Him and Joe Morgan, one of the best combinations, I think, in baseball history. And I do, to this conversation, think that he's a little underrated considering his stature within the game of baseball. Okay, so before I get to Jerry Howarth, I keep pushing it back. It's kind of like Matt Damon and Jimmy Kimmel. Anyways, one of the things that I really enjoyed about going to games, baseball games at Exhibition Stadium and then eventually Skydome was the fact that they would play This Week in Baseball, TWIB. And I have always, always loved the voice of Mel Allen. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that brings your blood pressure down and makes you just feel like you're watching, you know, the most beautiful game in the world. Uh, a lot of people might forget this. This Week in Baseball was a weekly show. It was highlights. You got to see, you know, games in St. Louis and all these different things. And it was this one-hour show. I believe it was an hour. And they just packaged it so beautifully that it was narrated by Mel Allen, who in my estimation could do no wrong. As a box office blockbuster. A Los Angeles love story. The Dodgers are a smash hit in Hollywood after they temporarily dampen the spirit of St. Louis. A Montreal picture in motion. The Terminator displays the right stuff, leaving no doubt that he's the man with the golden arm. Rewriting the script. A New York Yankee road warrior is gone with the wind. And man, let me tell you, that's entertainment. California sweet. The little general continues his long quest for that championship season. So take your seats, cause we're bound for glory, y'all, on this week in baseball. So good, isn't it? It just feels like a Sunday afternoon every time I hear Mel Allen, and that is one of the best compliments that you can be paid in the game of baseball. All right, let's move on to a guy that I think generationally is somebody that Toronto Blue Jay fans hold in the highest regard. We know that Buck Martinez for years has done the stuff on the TV side, and Dan Schulman is the voice of probably this next generation of Blue Jays baseball, in addition to everything he does with ESPN. But on the radio side of things, there is no doubt that it is Jerry Howarth who did it for, what, nearly 40 years? All of those great moments, those teams from 91, 92, 93, those all have Jerry's fingerprints written all over it. That and Tom Cheek. You think of even the more modern moments. Let's not forget, in addition to the World Series and everything that he's done over the years, this is a moment I'll never forget. Now, 
I'm gonna play the bat flip for you, the Jose Bautista bat flip. This is what makes Jerry so, so good. He understands the way that the fans can become an added element to the radio broadcast. I mean, we don't have the sights, but we definitely have the sounds. He goes, I wanna say almost more than a minute without saying a single word then picks up the conversation, but then has the presence of mind to not talk to let the public address announcer announce the next hitter. It's a beautiful and textbook way to call a very big moment in a baseball game. One and one on Jose. All eyes on the mound and the bearded Sam Dyson. Now he comes up. Kicks the 1 1 pitch. Fly ball deep left field. Yes, sir. There she goes. The designated hitter number 10, Edwin Encarnacion. Jose Bautista is unbelievable. What makes that moment cool is a lot of guys feel that they have to fill that void. That being there for 30, 35, 40 seconds, surely somebody's going to want to hear their opinion. He understood that driving around or maybe listening on your back porch... You already knew, if you closed your eyes, what Rogers Center looked like. And you could only imagine what 50,000 going bananas looked like. But the one thing that's missing is the audio of the moment. And Jerry nails it. I hope when he looks back, he realized that that is a perfect 10. The Nadia Komenich of calls when it comes to a big moment that really defined that season for the Toronto Blue Jays. And probably, well, it had to be the biggest moment of Jose Bautista's career. I will say one other thing about Jerry Howarth, and it's not a thing that I bring up very often, but when I was a kid, didn't have a ton of stuff, but one of the things that we had in our home was a Zenith radio, and it had the rabbit ears, and it picked up just a couple of channels, and one of the channels was the Blue Jays game. So whether I was driving around with my family or you know huddled around this radio, I remember listening to Jerry Howarth. You know, just as a kid driving around Toronto, sometimes in the sweltering heat of summer, sometimes you were grounded for something that whether you did or didn't do, you were kind of like, oh man. But I'd always find a Walkman or a radio or some way to tuck myself and listen to a couple innings of baseball. And I just remember, what, what are we talking, like 35 years later, going out to Toronto and realizing that I was going to get to go and broadcast Toronto Blue Jays spring training games. It was amazing to me and really one of the most powerful moments in my life when I got to sit down in Dunedin, Florida, hear the big booming music of Sportsnet and broadcast preseason Toronto Blue Jays baseball with the now voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. I did it a year later with Scott MacArthur, 
but I still remember the first time that I sat down. I sat down on purpose on the right side because I knew that's in the broadcast booth where Jerry sat. And I just remember thinking to myself, and I, I remember having this epiphany in the moment, which made it that much more surreal, that I became the voice on the other side of that radio. That that eight, nine, ten-year-old kid that was listening, trying to squeeze a couple of innings out of the Blue Jay game on the radio, some 35 years later, became the voice on the other side of the radio. And even though it was only for a couple of games, kind of like a moonlight grand moment, it was one of the most powerful moments of my life. Because I thought to myself in that moment, whether I get that job or not, whether that job long-term becomes mine, I sat in the chair, I talked into the microphone, and I got to see the same thing from the same vantage point as the guy that was essentially the voice of my childhood when it came to baseball. It was exquisite and something to this conversation that I'll never forget. And the beautiful part is I got to tell that to Jerry Howarth, who retired just weeks earlier. And I told him, I said, you know, after I'd gotten back to Vancouver and I'd started to settle in, I sent him a letter and he responded back and we ended up talking. And I just said, Jerry, this was like an unbelievable experience. His response, and, and Jerry doesn't miss a beat, man. He'll tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. He's the best critiquer and builder of talent that I think I've ever come across when it comes to the game of baseball. He said, now that you're back in Vancouver, and yes, you didn't get the Toronto Blue Jays job, but every game that you broadcast, whether it's the Vancouver Canadians, whether it is the Toronto Blue Jays or anywhere in between, you treat that game like you're at Yankee Stadium. That was what I needed because when I came home from Dunedin, having not gotten that job, it was uh, it put me into a bit of a tailspin mentally. It took me probably a month or two to really finally shake the just sadness and disappointment. And I wasn't even disappointed for myself. I think I wanted that job as much to prove to everybody else that I could make it to the height as it was for me. To be honest with you, I don't know if I would have enjoyed Major League Baseball. It's a whole different beast. Up there, checks and balances count. You don't get to mess around and tell silly stories. I mean, you've got to tell a game to a fan base that is rabid and that was ravenous. And I remember the good that came with that, you know, getting to tell all my friends that I was doing that and seeing Bryce Harper and getting a chance to broadcast a game with the Minnesota Twins, which was a nether team that I grew up loving. Kirby Puckett, Dan Gladden, Kent Herbeck. I mean, those early 90s teams for the Minnesota Twins were special as well. So getting the chance to broadcast a Blue Jays-Twins game was unbelievable to me. And a Blue Jays-Atlanta game and a Blue Jays-Phillies game. It was, it was awesome. But when I look back at that moment of all the things, the highs, the lows, who I was trying to prove it to, was it to myself, was it to my friends, was it to my family, I just remember that I got to do it. And that for me was so special. Like I will never forget that moment so long as I live. And the fact that my friends and my family and my kids were old enough to see that moment happen is something that I am extra proud of as well. So yes, Jerry Howarth and his voice has a very, very special place in my heart, and he could not have been a better friend to me in those moments. And Buck Martinez as well. There were a lot of people down there that were very supportive of me even getting the opportunity to uh, be a part of that conversation, if only for a couple of days. Now, when people ask me, and this is one I, this is my fork in the road. I know there's going to be a couple of people that listen to this and they're like, man, you're a sellout. So when it comes to who I emulate, like guys that I look up to and say, you know what? I want to be like that guy. Obviously, Vin Scully's in the conversation. Obviously, Jerry Howard's in the conversation. Heck, everybody that you've heard so far is probably a part of that conversation. But I've also drawn a lot of experience from wrestling. 
because I think the broadcasters on that side of the table do something extraordinary as well. They take something completely prefabricated and make it sound real, like you're actually watching a sporting event. So a part of me wanted to go with good old JR, Jim Ross, which would be an easy one. Stone Cold, The Rock, he was a part of the Attitude Era, and it was so, so good. But when I was a kid growing up, it was this guy, Gorilla Monsoon, who made me believe that even the scripted was real. It is with great reluctance that I announce the indefinite suspension of The Ultimate Warrior. This suspension is a direct result of The Ultimate Warrior's failure to appear as advertised last weekend in Indianapolis, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. This suspension will be immediately lifted, however, as soon as The Warrior posts an appearance bond to ensure WWF fans that he will appear where advertised. However, The Ultimate Warrior is here tonight, as promised, and will wrestle Owen Hart. Dude, I smile just thinking about that because, again, this is you're taking theater of the imagination and making it feel like it's really important. Like, I remember President Jack Tunney, and that was a great era. And I had a conversation with a, a couple of my wrestling buddies, Dave Moffitt and Mark Gager, Mike Mostre, and we were all talking about some of the greatest guys. And we were saying it was JR and Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And then somebody brought up Vince McMahon as maybe the best. And you know, you could make a case for that because Vince was awesome behind the microphone. And he owned the company, so he knew what he wanted. He knew it like the back of his hand. He was big in the big moments. He had that big growly voice as well, and he didn't take guff from anybody. But all of it is fake. And don't get me wrong, what they're doing in the ring is real. Those are athletes through and through. But the storylines, the things that get you excited and make you want to watch next week and the week after that and talk about it with your friends, all comes from these guys. And the reason that I picked Gorilla Monsoon, because I probably could have gone it about four or five different ways, is you got to tip your cap to the guys that started it. I really believed without Gorilla Monsoon and some of these guys that did it really early on, even in the territories like down in Florida, down in Georgia, everybody here in the Pacific Northwest, that it doesn't get to the place that it is today. Like us little kids are now the guys that buy the tickets to WrestleMania. Are the <laughs> and yes, I have been to multiple WrestleManias because, again, it's what I do. Hell, I half own a wrestling company at this point. But uh, anyways, Gorilla Monsoon makes it for me. Let's finish up this fine show with a couple of guys that I think really took sports television in a completely different way. Now, south of the border, you were watching guys like Chris Berman do this early on. There were a couple of guys regionally that were doing great jobs, but in Canada, there were two guys that I always looked at and said, that for me is the gold standard. Before Jay and Dan, before all of this generation's guys came through, there was a show called Sportsline in Toronto. It was Jim Taddy and Mark Hebsher. Now, Jim Taddy was a fine broadcaster, but Mark Hebsher and his Hebsies, which were the weekly awards for the boneheaded moments in sports, were absolutely must-watch television. And a lot of the catchphrases that we use to this day also came from Mark Hebsher. So in Vancouver, we think of Don Taylor, but in Toronto, it was Jim Taddy and this man right here that I grew up on, Mark Hebsher. The net result, an easy win in front of a, a crowd hungry for playoff glory. And boy, did they get it. Penguins get it going early as Yager feeds Mullen, just like we said. Hunter can't clear. Herdina strips him. Yager to Mullen. And he scores! 
Oilers one to nothing top show where they keep the peanut butter. Later, the Penguins get a two-goal lead as Mullen gets it to Stevens. Stevens to Ron Francis and Freddie scores. Two nothing Pittsburgh. Caps get one back before the end of the period. Tom Barrasso with a big save on Bondra. Rebound and watch Bondra go after this one here. Send it to the front of the net where Dave Tippett does just that. Dave Tippett tips it in. What a great name. Two one pens after two. So that's what's going on on the East Coast. And of course, everybody probably listening to this podcast knows what was happening on the West Coast with Sports Page. Sports Page, obviously an institution as a whole. They're put in the BC Sports Hall of Fame. But of Barry McDonald and all the guys that came through there, John Shorthouse, the dude, Sean McCormick, and so many others, I think we all know who the straw that stirred the drink was. Russell Westbrook pokes the ball away from Patty Mills. It was a gorgeous move. He had 27. He stops Ryan Kessler. He stops Mason Raymond in the opening two minutes, looking like a young Jerry Cheevers. And he gets it, wearing the Big M's old number 27, all while wearing Roman Volpat's old number 12. And all those goals scored wearing Bob Bond's old number 21. Oliver Ekman Larson, in Ekman Larsonian fashion, walks in, snaps it, and scores. Unreal. And you know what? I'm actually really surprised that he never got picked up to do more stuff in Toronto. I think if they saw him on the regular mainstream, people on the East Coast would have absolutely fallen in love with Don Taylor. I don't know. I'm sure the offer was probably made at some point, but he is definitely through and through a West Coast guy. But no doubt about it, Don Taylor could have set up shopping anywhere, whether it was in Canada, some of the big markets in the United States. Uh, just the perfect combination of the guy next door and an unbelievable ability to connect with fans. Awesome stuff. So there it is, my top 10. Everybody from John Ashbridge and Vince Scully, Mel Allen, Bob Cole, Gorilla Monsoon, Mark Hebsher, John Miller, Jerry Howarth, Paul Morris, and the affable Don Taylor. It has been a pleasure to bring you this show today. Just to have a quick walk down memory lane, and I do have to do a roll call of people that we've used footage from, whether it was the Vancouver Canucks, Major League Baseball, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet, all of these great different people, Fan 590, and a couple of things that we were able to extract from Maple Leafs TV as well. So thank you to everybody for listening today. My thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another. Thank you so much for always being here for me. We are fast approaching episode number 100. I think it could be as early as tomorrow. I think tomorrow is episode 100. I guess we better do something for that, eh? Anyways, uh, <laughs> you can tell we've been planning the show for months. I also want to thank everybody over at Equity Guru. My thanks to Chris Perry. Uh, my thanks to Asan, to J.P. Chung, to Galen, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I do this again tomorrow for what uh, might be a good show, I'm not even sure. I'm Rob Fay. Have yourself a fantastic day. And more than anything, keep your head up. We're getting through this stuff. And um, check in on Sports Bar Radio whenever you can, would you? Share the message, review, like, subscribe, all the stuff they tell you to do with the podcasts. But more than anything, just know I will be here for you around lunchtime every day. Let's talk again soon. Take care. This segment is brought to you by The Gaming Stadium, Canada's pioneering leaders in online esports tournaments, specializing in tools for league operators, tournament streaming, venue management, and community building. TGS has become a global leader in esports events, sponsorship, and production. With regular online tourneys for Fortnite, Rainbow Six, Call of Duty, Rocket League, and more, visit www.thegamingstadium.com to sign up and play. For investor information, check out the ticker symbol TGS. 
Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.